0: Hello, and welcome to Everything I Did Wrong as a Church Planter, a million-part series. My name is Logan Wolf, and I'm speaking to you from my office in Provo, Utah. My wife, Grayson, and I have been in Provo for almost 13 years now. 13 years will be uh, this coming spring. And as I've shared before, our ministry during this time has taken all sorts of forms. Uh, we begin as a mobile church. Uh, doing like a traditional church setup up in the conference center of a hotel. Uh, we did that for five years before we uh, merged with another ministry, absorbed them into our own, and uh, became multi-site overnight. And so we had buildings and staff in two different counties and two different cities. We did that for just over three years before we realized we weren't making disciples very effectively and so we offloaded that structure, and for the last almost five years now, January will be five years, that we have been functioning as a network of house churches across the state of Utah. And so my goal with this podcast is to look back on those experiences from the mobile church, the multi-site, and even with the the, the house church network. We are five years into it, and so I can look back on those things uh, a little bit removed and uh, discuss what I would do differently. If I were to do all of it over again, knowing what I know now, if I were pursuing those same courses of methodology, and my goal is just to save you some of the heartache and frustration um, and headaches That we've gone through over the years, as well as just your time and your energy and your money as you're laboring or preparing to labor in your city. Um, And what I've been doing even more recently in these last several episodes is bringing on some old friends, some new friends who are church planners in different parts of the country, different context, and having them share pieces of their story as well as what they would do differently In their own circumstances, their own situation, and that is the the case today. I am joined by my friend Stephen Kimbrell, who is a church planter in Irvine, California, which is the uh, in the sixth most populated county in America. There in Orange County, I have known Stephen since college. Um, Did not care for him too much in college, but he is a he is a friend now, and I am so grateful for what he is doing out there in California. Stephen, how are you, sir?
1: I'm great. Thanks for uh, that great
0: introduction. <laughs> I was, you know, I, as I was talking, I was like, oh, yeah, I know Stephen from college. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if if you're uh, listening, you've listened to previous episodes. I have mentioned our brother Amos uh, laboring in Chula Vista, California. Amos actually went to California with Stephen. And then Stephen's church launched him south to start another church there in uh chula vista and so I man it's so exciting when a church plant produces church planters and so I know you're stoked by that bro and I'm I'm again I'm so grateful for you I'm so grateful for Amos uh, but this is not a podcast about the things that went right um this is a podcast about the things that we would uh do differently the mistakes that have been made so um bro why don't you maybe again for our audience um share a little bit of your story, as much as your faith journey that you feel is necessary, but particularly emphasizing your uh, maybe moving towards church planting and then how you landed there in California, a little bit what that context is like and what you're experiencing even right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, You know, it's it's interesting. I grew up uh, very, very far from California, Uh, culturally speaking, probably the furthest you can be in rural Alabama. And um so yeah i grew up two miles down a dirt road on a farm and um you know there's first of all i feel like most people in the south are like they don't have a great view of california so the fact that i ended up here is like really god's call but um I, long story short I, I felt like i was called to preach um, at an early age answered a call to preach uh went to bible college in north carolina where where you and i met met my wife, and uh, and that was the same time in colleges where God first began to put on my heart the desire to plant churches. I think that's where I was really introduced to that concept, um, uh, really probably through a professor that uh, we had in college, and was very passionate about planting churches. I remember continuously saying, get out of the Bible belt and go do something for Jesus, that kind of thing, and um, that really, that was a challenge to me, um, I, I love the idea of starting new things, of being entrepreneurial, of mm-hmm. being kind of on the, the, the cutting edge of what God was doing. it uh, just all appealed, I think, to me naturally and to you know, kind of some of the things God had placed in my heart. And so um, actually right out of college, helped uh, someone plant a church in Pennsylvania uh, for a short time, moved back to North Carolina and worked there for uh, a few years. And uh, long, long story short, God began working on our heart about Irvine, California, which was uh, through we, we came to California uh, in 2011 for a wedding, drove through the place. And that's when um, I just saw a city that was exploding with growth, started reading about it online, really thinking about it for someone else, because it was a growing place. There were people moving here from all over the world, from, from China, from the Middle East. And I began to think, man, who do I know that I could recommend this place to? And, you know, and I think sometimes God lets us think like that so that we're not ready to think like that for ourselves. And and then God began to turn that around on me and, um, and it just began to put that on my heart uh, that this is the place for you. And it took a few years, honestly, uh, but long story short, we came to the point, this is where we feel like God's calling us to go, um, let our church know about it. We did some fundraising, a lot of fundraising, actually, and um, and had a team, uh, recruited a team to be willing to move. And we had three families uh, that miraculously agreed to come. And so we made that move out in, in 2015 and moved into Irvine. We're here for 11 months and uh working in the community uh growing the launch team uh building towards that launch day and then uh launched in the fall of 2016. and so we've been going for seven years now and um we're still uh we meet in a a junior high school the name of our church is gray city church um we are it's such a different area than millport alabama where i grew up where (laughs) 976 people live um Wow, it's it's, um, I think I think Irvine when we moved here was two hundred fifty thousand. I think we're close to three fifty now, and um, literally people from all over the world. um, And and God's given us a a really diverse church. Uh, We just on Sunday celebrated international our international Thanksgiving meal, and it was so awesome. Uh, We, I mean, the spread was huge, and I mean there was homemade sushi there there's bulgogi there's you know indian food and uh just food from all over the world and so
0: you've done that for several years now right yeah because i feel like i've seen pictures of that in the past see that's provo so homogenous just a white white place but that's (laughs) so cool that you guys are able to do that so I didn't cut you off. I just
1: go ahead. No, 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 it's fine. And it's, uh, it's awesome. We we love that aspect of it. It was part of the vision and the fact that it's reality. And, and we just laugh about it because it's like, you know, I, I'm a, a kid that grew up on a farm in Alabama in a County that was 70% white and 30% black and then me. And so it's like, <laughs> you know, who in the world am I to be here leading a, international, uh, church. And, and yet I think this is just how God works sometimes. He's like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And so it's been a, been a lot of fun, um, been difficult as anybody knows who plants a church. And we've learned a lot of what to do and what not to do along the way.
0: Very good. Uh, so in that story, uh, the last several guys that we've had on here for this conversation, we've talked about the length of time between moving to the city they feel called to plant a church in and their actual public services and most guys have been very quick and i think of the last three conversations that have been very like just mere months between moving there and starting that my own uh our own story we moved in may we started weekly services in september but you had a year is that am i hearing that's right you moved and had a full year at least between yeah moving there
1: almost 11 months
0: Man, I think that's – so let me just ask you this, and this isn't related necessarily to the topic we're pressing into, but um, what were you doing during those 11 months? So you showed up, and what's happening for a year?
1: Yeah, you know, we we broke it up into phases um, that I felt like worked well for us and for our team. And so um, I'm trying to remember the phases right now. It's been a while. Uh, we had three of them. So the first phase, yeah, the first phase was just build relationships. And so that was five months long. um, And we would meet with our team pretty much every Sunday night that moved with us. Did the
0: whole team arrive at the same time?
1: uh, Three of the families got here in October. um, And then one family got here in December. So two months later.
0: So so most everyone was there together.
1: Okay. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So we just, we focused in on, hey, we we don't know anybody here in the city. We got to build relationships as fast as possible. And so, you know, we we located things like uh, volunteering, neighboring, and then we I think we just called the third category interacting, like in public. And so we would literally meet in our living room and ha- have a whiteboard. And we would a- go around the room and be like, all right, who did you meet this week? And how do, or how did you advance a relationship? And so if anybody was peeking in the window, it would look like, really creepy and cultish, you know.
0: <laughs> I do know cuz I meet in the living room every week. So. <laughs> because,
1: because we're writing the names of people on the board and we had this diagram, you know. Um but it just it really I think held our team accountable to like, hey, this is what we're here for. We're here to meet people and we're spend time with people. Yeah. And so that was kind of the first phase was just relationships. And then we transitioned to a little more public, um, kind of that middle phase. I think we called it grow the launch team. And that's where we were really trying to lean in on some of those relationships, invite them into what we were doing. Um, and then the third phase was called the launch. And that was really the public phase where we're, you know, doing events and we're marketing and we're doing preview services and that kind of thing. So that how, was how long is that middle phase, that second phase? Um, you know, I want to say that was what? three months four months and we kind of looked at it as we said okay they're not phases that are ending it's like layers right well
0: right yeah that makes that makes the most sense so the launch where you're actually doing your advertising showing up at events preparing for this public service how long is that
1: uh so that'd be four months okay yeah so and we did four preview services and yeah so
0: people show up at your preview services
1: yeah they did gosh you're such a jerk so (laughs) But, you know but then again it, we're in really different contexts I know I, I was
0: just on I don't know if you've listened to the podcast uh pastors to pioneers it's a it's about guys that have been traditional ministry but now are pursuing maybe more movement style stuff I was just interviewed on there today and we talked about I shared that story of like no one came like no one came yeah. to my previous <laughs> no one yeah and it's just uh every time i have to retell that story it makes me sick to my stomach so. oh i'm sure you still feel that right <laughs> yeah well, okay so you've got preview you got launch, you got preview services you're launching you're in the school the whole time right you haven't yeah okay yeah. and now you've been there for seven years
1: mm-hmm. and those
0: public services you've been there eight public services for seven years
1: yeah yeah okay.
0: so we were talking just earlier um and i love this you had all kinds of of things looking back on that season of ministry you would do differently Uh, some of those brother we're going to have to circle back to because i think those are necessary conversations but one that you hit that i think transcends both like your personal life your home life with your kids your your wife as well as what's going on with the ministry was just about healthy rhythms yeah you said i didn't Put healthy rhythms in place or i didn't maintain yeah. healthy rhythms so I'm, i'd love to explore that a little bit what, what you mean by a healthy rhythm what you were doing like maybe even so clearly you had some there's some structure mm-hmm. to that time leading up to law. lot of structure in your life but maybe not healthy structure in some ways There's yeah. something's missing in that structure i'd yeah. love to talk through that a little bit so What just define for us, kind of what you mean by healthy rhythms, and then let's just kind of pick apart the different spheres in which um, some things were missing and how you would do it differently now. Because again, you're eight years removed from some of those things. So, what would we do different looking back? But go ahead.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, you know, I think, um, again, you know how this goes. It's hard when you don't know what you don't know, right? Right.
0: <laughs> if you knew better, you would have done it better the first
1: time. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I knew. So what I knew going in was I knew it was going to be a lot of work. Um, I knew that I knew I wanted to protect my family. I had heard that enough from guys to say, don't cheat your family. Right. Don't cheat your wife. Don't cheat your kids, the time and the, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so I knew that. Um, And so. But I'm you're trying to wrestle with okay, I I have to launch this church and I feel like I'm on a clock, yeah. You know this clock is going in my head and we have to get it to a certain point of sustainability. And so me, you know, let
0: me interrupt you: Do you feel like was that because a couple other guys have mentioned that same kind of metaphor? Is that outside pressure? Is that what you feel like the clock, like people expecting you to do something, or is that? In- internalized like you just put that on yourself or what do you what do you mean by that
1: i think for me um the outside pressure is definitely there but maybe not to the degree of i'm just looking at like okay i know the resources the funds that i've raised are limited okay. um i know you know momentum sake we need to get some momentum going and we got a timeline to do that in, right yeah. or it's going to kind of fizzle out and so and so you're trying to stack Like, okay, we need to stack, we got to stack a lot of time and work against this to make this go, right? And obviously, we need the Lord, but I've also got to do a lot of work. And I think, I mean, and I grew up on a farm, so I grew up with that work ethic and kind of the mentality of like, okay, well, you just got to do more. And so I think for me, I look back and I, I don't think I cheated my family as far as time. But what I, in my mind, it was like, okay, I'm just, I'm not going to cheat my family, but I will just work extra, you know, after everybody goes to bed, I'll stay up and I'll work and I don't need a day off. I can just keep working on those days. Like Sabbath, like that was for old Testament people. Right. <laughs> and so I think that, so that was more or less the thing, like late nights, early mornings. And I was here, I wasn't neglecting my family, but, man, I just look back on that. I'm like, I was a tired guy during that. Time. And, um, and since then, like just, you know, I, you unpack, you unpack a lot of it. I've done counseling and, um, still do counseling on a regular basis. And one of the things I just, I learned about myself, the counselor is like, um, you know, I don't think you embrace limits very well. Mm. And I'm like, what is that? You know, <laughs> <laughs> embrace a limit like why would you embrace a limit you're supposed to break out of limits and- Come on, man. <laughs> so anyway all of that just some mentality that i had um yeah i don't even know if i'm explaining that no, one.
0: that makes sense because i was because you moved when you moved you had your children with you already yeah and i don't think you've said it yet so forgive me if you have you, you have three kids right
1: right yeah, right? Three, yeah kids three kids right.
0: Um, so we moved. Did not have children yet. I've got two right now. I, the, the audio of this is probably gonna be messed up because there's one screaming in the background right now. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear. Um, and so I feel like I drug my wife into some of that busyness. It sounds like you didn't. Is that I mean, did was Lauren and, and involved in any of that busyness, that activity, or was that just you running and gunning on your own? I think she she was involved to a degree, but
1: I think she was shielded to to some of it because she was focused on the kids a lot. So see, and
0: I I think that's and again I am talking about unhealthy rhythm. So another thing you wish you did differently, but I think that's good that she wasn't like forced to just yeah yeah. Because I drugged my wife Grayson through a bunch of stuff. Like we were you know like we got to show up at this three day event, and you know you got to mm-hmm. be there with me, and we got to go out here, and we got to and yeah. it's a, it is a, you talk about being tired. You look back on it, and man, it just why just, just like why just yeah. stirring up activity and i feel like part of that in my mind was a fear of man sure like because i did have you know about funds like there are people giving mm-hmm. and so i no one now no one told me you better get out there and start a church immediately no one i I was self-imposed but it was self-imposed because i was afraid of what they thought does that make sense yeah and so it it just just going and going and going of course i didn't have kids and so we hit the ground running immediately we didn't our launch service was september of the same year we moved to may and we launched in september which is dumb like i i'm glad to hear you waited a year like 11 months like that's 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 awesome um but, yeah, I don't – it, it was to our detriment physically, emotionally, spiritually. So, okay, you're running. Yeah. Working. You've got this, like, I've got to produce. I'm doing stuff. I've got time. Yeah. Why not do it? I've got uh, – you know, you've got to you realize your funds are limited. They will yeah. burn up if you don't start doing something. Um, but in that, you did not have in place healthy rhythms. And so yeah. – talk talk through maybe some different spheres of where you started to see again may, maybe not in the moment you didn't see it yeah you're looking back on it now right yeah. so talk about the spheres of your own well-being um yeah. mentally emotionally spiritually physically like you but then you and your wife Lauren the the marriage yeah. and then you and your kids as a father and then just yeah. the ministry cuz i think sometimes one of the things i feel like i i did differently in that or did terribly not differently uh in that early stage of ministry was taking so much of it on myself. Yeah. Like, and that, that wasn't healthy. Like, there wasn't a, a healthy, like taking a, you just talk about Sabbath and you joking a the sound that like, to, like giving breaks and giving other people opportunity to step up. So maybe just pick up whichever one of those you feel like is like, start with whatever one you feel like you can speak to the most directly, but let's just kind of go through those different areas of life and like what you, what you were doing. Yeah. Maybe what needs to be done. You know, I think, um,
1: you know, like I said, even though I wasn't neglecting my family as far as time, I didn't. I don't think um, it was. It was hard to be fully present when I was there, because I was carrying so much um, yeah. and working on so much that it's like, all right, I'm with my kids, but I'm thinking, all right, I got to do this thing. I got to do this thing afterwards, and so you know, I wasn't fully present. I, I wasn't fully there emotionally. Um, I look back and, you know, there was a lot more stress that I was handling um, that I, you know, I probably didn't have to like, for instance, if I had, you know, if I had delegated better, um, you know, if I had brought other people into some of the things I was working on, some of that was honestly, it was, uh, yeah, it was fear of failure. Um, it's like, okay, I just got to outwork everything. Like, that was just my solution. Like, okay, I just got to outwork. Um, it was fear of, you know, not trusting other people, like letting them fail to a certain degree. I think I was so afraid of failure that I didn't like, all right, I can't trust this person to do this to the level that I need them to do it. So I just got to do it where now oh. I, look, I look back now and I go, you know, maybe they would have done it. whatever it was, 70% the first time. Um, And maybe I could have just spent a little time coaching them and they could have got to as good as me or better. Um, But it was just like, that was in my mentality at the time. And so, yeah, so, you know, not delegating, not trusting people, fear of, it just keeps pushing you forward. I got to do more. 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 Um, And then I feel like when something does succeed, it's almost like, you know, if it fails, then you gotta work harder. But if it succeeds, you gotta work harder. So it's just, you gotta
0: top it. You gotta keep going. I, okay. Yeah. So let's let's pause here a second, because these are we're talking about ministry kind of patterns and rhythms here. Yeah. So delegation is an incredibly hard thing to do, I feel like, if you've not been cause I remember in this cause I was doing everything and didn't delegate it, didn't recognize it in the moment. I don't know if you recognize that was happening in the moment. I didn't, I did not.
1: No, I, I would have said I was, but.
0: <laughs> but... But it was founded. Yeah. When we made the transition from multi-site to the house church network, one of the things we were touting as we were preparing for it was like, we're going to equip you and release you and all this kind of stuff. And then when we actually came to, like we were, buildings were gone, we we're in the house church network. I, I realized I was still trying to show up at everything could, like, I didn't know how to delegate. Mm-hmm. And so it was not just this, unhealthy rhythm. It was almost like this character fluck. It's something I just never had learned to do. Mm-hmm. And so I think knowing to do that from the outset is is key. So hey, okay, maybe let's let's explore that a little bit. You've go you've gone with a team. So say some other brother's coming to a city, he's got a team of people, or maybe he's building a team of people. I mean how what's what's something he can do right off the bat that would help him instill that rhythm of delegation? Because that's I think that is a really sticky point
1: yeah you know i i don't know i fully know the answer but it's uh i don't <laughs> it's something that you you have to keep in tension right like not like arguing tension but like in you know like a rubber band intention yeah. because i've seen people go too far both ways like i've seen people be like hey you're in charge of this and they just give it to them right yeah yeah and it's like no 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 that person's not the person to lead that <laughs> yeah um, well, I, yeah but then there's the other side of just hoarding everything. And so it's just a, it's a dance that I think you learn over time of like, okay, I'm going to give this person a little bit, then I'm going to give them a little more. Um, yeah. And I think for me, it it goes back to that fear of failure. Like I had to get beyond that a little bit to be like, you know what? It's okay if not every aspect of every event succeeds. Um, yeah. And so if somebody does it and it goes 75% well, well, that's a win. We'll review and they'll do it better next time. So I don't know. I think it's just, um, yeah, i probably being an open and honest with your team about uh, here's what all has to be done and here's what I feel comfortable about doing in a healthy way and here's where I need some help. And uh, it's probably a conversation I, I don't know. I just didn't feel... I mean maybe it was pride that kept me from having that conversation but I think having that conversation in a real way with your team would be good.
0: Yeah. I have a a, a good friend who's serving with E3 Partners. It's a a, a disciple making ministry and he says to me because I again this is not this is something I've had to learn recently. Like I wasn't doing it early on in the ministry. Um, but giving people responsibility is like, it's like fertilizer. Like it gives them a, you're, you just said it, it gives you, even if they did just 75%, there's still a chance to grow in it. Yeah. And so you give, give those things away, um, and, and people will step into it and yeah. grow through it. And so, uh, so again, we're talking about healthy rhythms. It's not taking everything on ourselves, right? It's, yeah. it's inviting other people in. And, and it,
1: if, if I can interject another thing that with with me that was probably contributed or did contribute all this was if I did delegate okay so I'd say let's say I'm like all right I delegate then I pick something back up something new you know it's like okay gave up now I can do something new and I can add and I just this mentality of just add more 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 and man I think we got to have a growth mentality but there's also a point of knowing what's Sustainable, healthy growth too.
0: Well, it, it goes back to what's really important in this particular season, right? Because just picking stuff up to say I'm I've got a full calendar, a full schedule, I'm doing yeah. something, I'm busy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, delegation, I think at its core should be freeing you up to do what only you can do. Yeah. And, and i again, that's something I'm learning now, and not I've been again Utah more than a decade, and I'm guilty of that. You hand something off. And now I'll just pick some other random Mm message and it's not necessarily contributing to the mission or the vision or the extent it's just something else. And yeah, that's a good, that's a good observation. That's good self-awareness. I shouldn't have been doing that. Just picking stuff up. Just for the sake of picking it up. Okay.
1: Yeah. And I mean, honestly, it took, it took me a long time to fully learn what I was doing. Honestly, for me, it, It happened in the pandemic is when my aha moment came. And that was, you know, I was running, you know, I was doing 100. I was at 110% when the pandemic hit. Okay, so no margin, uh, no, no extra room for adding anything else. And when the pandemic hit, um, all of a sudden it was like, all right, we got to completely shift everything uh, because we couldn't meet indoors, and so it, it was like um, I needed to go up to one hundred and fifty percent, right, in my mind, and and that's what I tried to do. And what ended up happening was I was I was just getting I was exhausted, and it was around the same period of time. It's kind of funny how God works. Like I was reading a book, and they're talking about Sabbath. Uh, listen to a podcast. They're talking about Sabbath, Uh, my own Bible reading. I feel like God's talking to me about Sabbath. And then this, this uh, leader in our church just calls me out of the blue one day and goes, Hey, can I talk to you about something? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, I don't know if this is off or not. I just feel like God put this on my heart and I'm supposed to say this to you. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, I just think, you have too much on your plate and you need to figure out what it's going to look like to have a healthy rhythm of like a Sabbath in your life. Mm. And I'm going, who have you been talking to? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, man, you know, I think back to that moment, like I almost cried when he said that um, because I was tired. I was exhausted. I was feeling that. And I, the Lord was speaking me of that. And so to have a brother in Christ say, Think this is what God told me to tell you? Wow! Um, Like, what do you say to that? You can't say, "Well, you're completely off."
0: Right? It's been coming from all these different places already. Yeah. So, so you didn't. So, what? I'm assuming. Well, maybe that's a bad. Maybe I shouldn't. Did you? I must say, maybe I shouldn't assume. Did you heed that counsel from that brother? What you're hearing God speak to you from His Word, from this book, from this. What What happened in that aftermath?
1: You know what? Honestly, I did. Um, I, I was reading, um, oh man, what is the book? Um, John Mark Homer's book on, uh, what is it? The, uh, uh, elimination of hurry. And oh. so I, I did, I went home and I, me and Lauren talked, I'm like, look, and I don't remember how the exact conversation went, but I was like, look, this, he called me today and this is what I've been reading. And, I think we got to start thinking about implementing Sabbath, and and so and and we we did. And it took us a while to figure out exactly what that looked like, and to I feel like get to a point where we were actually practicing it well. Um, but I will say, probably out of anything that happened during the pandemic, that was by far the best thing that happened in our life. It came through a hardship, and 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 through God speaking to us. Um, but it's still a rhythm that we carry forward today. And it's so life-giving for us. And and I'll say, like, to the guy who the church planner who's like, okay, whatever, because that was me. Like, you know, I I don't need the whole Sabbath thing where you don't do work for a day or, you know, whatever. Um, I, I would just say what what's happened is because you just when you say you're gonna do that, then there are just certain things you can't do. Like you just I don't do as much work as I used to, and because there's not a, there's a whole day that's missing. But it's amazing like the work has continued because it actually forced me to give some of that work to other yes. people. And and they're not burnt out over it. I'm not burnt out over it. And I actually get a day with the Lord and with my wife and with my family and it's replenishing. And, and so it's, it's just kind of funny. Like God kind of knows what he's talking about. Right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think that's so healthy because it changes your perspective on the work, right. On the ministry. Cause you and I were talking about that just before we started recording, like there was, there was times I was just plugging away, just like you. Just you, just do it. Like that's what you're, I, I feel. Again, if you're a church planter, you are probably very driven, very entrepreneurial. Yep. You have to going. You got to, be, yeah. And but then to have space where you're not doing anything and to see the work continue without you yeah. is a is a. It can be humbling. It can be. It can hurt your ego a little bit. But on the backside, I think it's a very healthy perspective on like, oh, this isn't about me. This isn't mine. This is Christ's right. And I remember. A vacation a few years ago um first time i didn't take my laptop then check my email just really because usually I'm, I'm trying to do work while we're at the beach oh yeah and yeah yeah yeah. why well, I, I could do it I could telecommute and so but handed all everything off and then like even in my absence man there was someone who got saved and baptized a new group started all this and you're like oh my goodness they, they did this without me Yeah. Um, You know, it's just like, it is an incredible thing. And so there is, it is, I think both sides of it, it's a, it's a healthy leveling up of, of everybody. And I think that's tremendous. So, so maybe just for practical purposes, practical, um, suggestions, how does your Sabbath look now? Like, how are you actually rolling that? It's easy to say I Sabbath, but what does that mean? Yeah.
1: yeah. So, you know, for me, um, for us, Fridays work really well for us, um, you know, Saturdays are busy with kids and, you know, errands and that kind of thing. Uh, but for us, Fridays work really well. And so uh, what we try to do is, like, right, let's get everything done Thursday that that we need to get done, whether it's, you know, get the house clean for my wife so that she's not, you know, worried about different things or errands that we need to run or, you know, sermon prep, all that kind of stuff. Um, try to get that done before Friday so that that's not there and and sometimes it doesn't have like sometimes it's like okay the sermon's not finished it's like all right well it's you know I'm gonna put the finishing touches on it on Saturday and it just is what it is um but then for us Friday we kind of like all right what are some key things we want to do like all right we want to worship on that day um we want to make sure that uh we're uh delighting in God on that day and that means like in his creation and um good food I, I can't remember who it was i read behind and they're like you know what it's okay to really delight in god and worship him by enjoying you know going on a hike um and one of the things right like we we always try to do something that's restful and relaxing on that day um and and we always try to eat something good and oh, like, man. <laughs> and i'm serious like it almost sounds i don't know weird but there's so many times Probably more so on that Friday than any other time where I'm eating something. And I'm seriously not joking, but I'm going, like, Lord, like this is amazing. Thank you know? so much. For this, yeah. God, thank you for giving us money to buy this. And thank <laughs> you for letting us delight in the things that you've made and your creation. And it's just really a time that allows us to stop and go, you know what? God, this is awesome. And you're awesome. And your world keeps spinning without us. And you want us to enjoy this stuff. And so every one of them for us looks different. We just kind of have a rule: we're going to delight in God, uh, we're we're going to rest. We're not going to feel guilty for not getting anything done. Um, and yeah. basically, if if we don't want to do it on that day, we're not going to do it. You know, if it feels like work, you know, like my wife sometimes likes to uh, get out in the yard and and plant some flowers, and she's like, I'm going to do that until it feels like work, and then I'm done. And, <laughs> And so that's kind of, that's what we do. And it's, so mm-hmm. it's just been a, a really life-giving day for us.
0: Good deal. So do you, uh, so you've got this Sabbath built in. Yeah. That um, gives you break right from ministry. It's created the necessity to delegate some things in the ministry. You're unavailable. Yeah. Is there anything, so again, going back to rhythms, just as we're kind of maybe tying this stuff together, is there any other rhythms you've instilled um, with either Lauren, like your wife, just you and her, or with the kids, yeah. or even even rhythms like on your church calendar, you're like, hey, we weren't doing this necessarily on the front end, but mm-hmm. right now we want to make sure we give, sp- these are things that we, we as a church give priority to, anything like that, that you, kind of goes into that cyclical rhythm.
1: You know, I I think probably um for us, there have been more things that have been taken off um okay. because there was too there was too much and and I think that all ties in kind of, the, the cool thing about it is that I feel like the Sabbath has bled over into other areas of my life, like taking that one day and being like, okay, no, we're, we're drawing boundaries around this um it's it's taught us this principle that sometimes, you just can't add something else. Sometimes you just can't do something else. You can only do what God's given you the capacity to do in the moment. And, mm-hmm. and so because of that, I think it's helped us with our even with our church calendar go, okay, you know what? We can't do all of these things, but what's the one thing or two things that we should do? Um, and so I think there's been a little bit of a, a scaling back on things, not that we're trying to, you know, not go forward in the mission, but I think we're able to probably hone in on things more so that we want to do. And, and I think our church calendars healthier, um, you know, it's true what they say, like your church is going to become who you are. And if you're an exhausted pastor, you're going to lead an exhausted church. And Hmm. so I feel like we're probably in a better rhythm as far as our calendar as a church.
0: Right on. Maybe again, thinking just practically, what are some things that you feel like may fell off the things you didn't add, things mm-hmm. you didn't add to the calendar, even in recent years, like things you could not, I'm not saying it's bad,
1: yeah. not saying it's not yeah. bad
0: but it's like, Hey, we're not going to do that.
1: Yeah. You know, um, man, just the first one that comes to my mind when you say that, uh, was a great event and, I feel like our church, we're pretty good at doing events. Like, that's just one of our giftings. We're good at that. Uh, I don't know if that's a spiritual gifting, but maybe hospitality. Um, But just because you're good at it doesn't mean you always got to do it at the same level. And so, like, one of our first years here, we were going to do a community, kind of like a VBS in the summertime for kids, but more of an outreach-oriented VBS. And my mentality has always been like, if you're going to do it, like try to do it big, you know, even if it's the first time, do it big. And so, okay. yeah. And our very <laughs> first one, we did a community and it turned out great. It was awesome. We had um, 120 kids the first night, 150 the next night, and then 200 on the final night. And I mean, it was awesome. There were people from, I mean, from India, from the Middle East. They came all the
0: way from India to be there with you in California. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: They (laughs) moved. So. Wow, man.
0: What an incredible.
1: So, but it was exhausting. And, and, um, honestly, that was one of those things that, um, It was hard because it ended up so well, but at the same time, we really didn't have the manpower to pull off an event like that at that time. And so we did it one more year and we had some help from another group that was visiting. But after that, it hurt my heart and my soul, but we took that off the calendar because it was just, it was killing our team. Yeah. And if I had it to do over and it hurts to say because I don't want to go low on anything, but it's like I would have just started like we had done the same thing. Let's do it with 30 or 50 kids and really love on them and their families well. Yeah. and and grow into it as opposed to like let's just send out thousands of invites and blow it up from day one so anyway that would just be one example from
0: no that that makes sense i was uh, a previous episode uh, we were talking to that brother in pennsylvania matt and he talked about programming and doing it like he was a much bigger church he comes in starting from scratch him and his family yep. and then trying to do it up like it's you know like they're running a thousand people and i mean that's exciting. Like yeah. you just said, it's not sustainable. Like it's just, it's, it's exhausting. And so it's okay to be, recognize the season you're in. Yes. It isn't something we're doing right now. Like this is not something we can give time and energy to. It doesn't mean you won't ever pick it up again. It no. Mean, you know, it's just like, this isn't where we're at.
1: And so. again, it's about embracing the limits of, you know, what's God put in your hands to do? Uh, what's he giving you the ability to do in that season? And, yeah. um, and going from there. Man, that's a good word.
0: Uh, okay, let's let's wind this down. So we've talked about healthy rhythms, particularly in um, ministry. You talked about Sabbath, and um, you talked about um, you know the delegation. You talked about getting that time with your family, your kids. You talked about um, you talked about um, the, the taking things off the calendar, not necessarily just because yeah. you've delegated. We got to add stuff. Any other practical advice? Counsel to someone, again, someone who's just starting to yeah. come, maybe they're moving to Irvine. You've been there eight years already. Like something you tell them uh, on this topic of rhythms just before we wrap yeah. up.
1: here. You know, the, the, the last thing that comes to mind is just the preaching rhythm. Um, yeah. You know, I think um, making sure you're scheduling preaching breaks for yourself you know, I, we, we both come out of similar backgrounds, you know, in the South and uh, traditional churches where, I mean, I think a lot of pastors preached Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And, and so, you know, I, I mean, our church, we Sunday morning, we have service and then we have small groups during the week. So I was really preaching one time, but still putting a lot of time into those those sermons. And when you're, Preaching back to back to back to back to back. There just comes a point where you're not fresh anymore. Um, for me, it's like, and about four times, then I need someone else to speak. Um That's and good. so that keeps me fresh. Um, I had an older pastor just a month ago tell me, he's like, Yeah, I think probably, honestly, you need to have somebody once a month. And I'm like, Okay. Um, so having someone else speak, whether it's you know, local pastors, uh, and that's some, one thing's been helpful for us. If you have someone on your team, that's great. Or local pastors having them speak. Because here's the reality, especially when you're planting, um, you know this. There's so much more to do than sermon prep. It's like, yeah, if, if you're not prepping a sermon, you're using that time. You're planning something. You're leading something. Absolutely. So, I remember.
0: I remember when you launched. When we live so we, I remember I was in the basement. You call, I called you or you called me or something, and you said, "Man, it's, you talked about well now I've got to get a sermon ready every week because <laughs> like like all of a sudden there's this new responsibility." And I mean that may beg the question of in that early stages, how much time needs to be going to that versus you know yeah. the delegation handing it off. It raises people up locally in your body, man, expose them to the broader kingdom if you're inviting others in. But I think that's a great that's a great uh, piece of advice Just don't feel like you've got to run. Now I'm doing everything just because we, just because we launched, just because we had a grand opening service. It's all on me now. It's, yeah. it's not. So exactly. man, any, anything else, brother, I'm going to link to your, to the gray city church um, website. Is there anything else you want me to point people to that? I can throw in the show notes, anything else going on that um, you want to plug right here before I, I close? Um,
1: you know, I don't know if you want to share that, that book by John Mark Comer. If, if, if you've not read that, if people have not read that, I you know that's...
0: what's the title? What's what was...
1: um, the ruthless elimination of her. Yes.
0: I made it. Okay. I, you said it earlier. I, I will put that in the show notes. I think that'd be a great resource for someone thinking through this very thing. So a good reminder for sure. Good deal. All right. Well, we hope this has been helpful for you. Um, if it has, please subscribe to the podcast, leave us a rating or review that helps other people find it. I'd also ask that you just share it. You pass it along to, um, Man, Your your team, if you're a church planter, if you know a church planter, I mean, give it to them. Um, this is a great conversation starter, and, uh, and uh, we would just love to be helpful. Again, there is no reason to reinvent the wheel to go through some of the stuff, the struggles, the questions that even Stephen and I here have talked about today. Um, let our mistakes and our experience uh, maybe bring you a, a couple of steps forward. Thank you so much. My name is Logan Wolf. I've been joined today by my friend Stephen Kimbrell. He's a pastor, a church planter in Irvine, California. And this has been Everything I Did Wrong as a Church Planter, a million-part series.